0: At this time, we'll have our second message by our pastor, Lawrence Gregory. As Christians, we're called to be both peacemakers... And warriors. Sounds contradictory, but this holy day is also a reminder to us of war, physical and spiritual, and our part in that war. So often Christians focus on the importance of peace, and so often they lose awareness that God is a mighty warrior that Christ Jesus is that mighty warrior. There's a balance in being a man of war and a man of peace and our being peacemakers and Christian warriors. So within these two parameters, there are many lessons about the Feast of Trumpets. If we'll turn to Numbers, the 29th chapter, verse 1, we'll open with This verse, and in the seventh month, which according to God's calendar of months, not according to our uh, Julian calendar, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have an holy convocation. You shall do no servile work. It is a day of blowing the trumpets unto you. Now notice the plurality of the word trumpets. Not only is it a multiple of trumpets, silver trumpets, that were blown on this day, but also of the many and varied meanings that accompany this day, the Feast of Trumpets and the plurality of it. Now, some of us who have been observing this holy day for maybe over 50 years that are here with us, we know that we've heard many different messages on many different aspects. And so... Uh, we cannot cover in one message all of the different meanings related to this day. So, I'm going to pick and choose a few verses, leave out some important key verses, add a few others as we look at this holy day. Now, let's go back up a little bit here to Numbers, the 10th chapter. And we'll see here, there was instruction to make the silver trumpets that were blown in different reasons. I'm not going to explain all those. Uh, The first few verses of chapter 10, you see uh, the uh, number of different meanings behind uh, those verses, but I want to come down to verse 9. And if you go to war in your land against the enemy that oppresses you, then you shall blow an alarm with the trumpets, and you shall be remembered before the Lord your God and you shall be saved from your enemies. And we know there's a lot of uh, discussion today in the news about uh, what is the purpose of America in uh, the uh, world today as a peacekeeper, international, globally, or just uh, to defend and protect ourselves. But uh, we'll talk just a little bit about that as we progress through this. We won't cover all of that because that's a different subject. But... There are a number of different things that accompany this holy day. David touched on a few of those, and uh, let me just cover a few here. Uh, We won't cover all of them today, but this day, the Feast of Trumpets, shows us the return of Christ to this earth, the resurrection of dead and living saints, the return of Israel from physical captivity, end time prophecies of war among many nations. End-time preaching of the word of God, the gospel. Ushering in of the kingdom of God and setting up and establishing the millennial time on this earth. More fully portrayed during the days of the Feast of Tabernacles. They were, the silver trumpets were blown over the offerings to God. And certainly we as Christians are an offering to God that is pleasing in his sight And to be accepted of Him. So our life is to be a living sacrifice, an offering holy to God. So that's portrayed. And also then why we as Christians observe these holy days that are called Jewish holidays. But that's a separate message. We won't be touching on a number of those things today. But we do want to um, consider our warfare So let's review a few scriptures about Jesus as a warrior. Now we know God is referred to as Captain, the Lord of hosts, a leader, and a commander. And there's different scriptures for those references. Back in Exodus, the 15th chapter, when uh, Israel had crossed over the Red Sea, and were victorious, Moses led Israel in a song of praise and glory to God after they had that deliverance. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation." He is my God, and I will prepare him in habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. Now this verse 3 is the one that I want to come to. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Now, war is either right or wrong. We see that great debate going on today about the just or the unjustness unjustness of war if it's for freedom if it's for good for self defense then it seems to be its aim is to be just and true but if it's for oppression conquest evil dominance if those are its aims then it's wrong now We know God is just and he is true. So his warfare is just and true and righteous. Now, let's look at a few more scriptures here. Uh, Psalm, the 24th chapter. And verse 7 through 10. Remember not the sins... Wait, that's Psalm 25, 24, verse 7 through 10. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be you lift up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates, even lift them up, Ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. and We sang a lot of uh, references today in praise and worship to that great God. And in just a few words of delivery, we can't always expound on all of the many scriptures extolling the greatness and goodness of Jesus Christ and his Father, our Heavenly Father. But we have many verses to help us praise and worship Him. Among those, just a few, and we'll look at uh, move on here to Psalm 45, verse three and six. Three through six: "Gird your sword upon your thigh, O most mighty, with thy glory and thy majesty, and in thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth." and meekness, and righteousness. These things seem to go together, don't they? Meekness, and righteousness, and truth. In the world, they're uh, hard to understand of those concepts going together, but the scriptures portray them. Meekness, and truth, and righteousness going together. And in fact, it says even the scriptures say they've kissed one another. But uh, thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. Thy throne, O oh God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. So thank God that he is forever, that he is the eternal, that he will rule forever, and that we can praise him and worship him as mighty and strong in battle. That's so important. We've seen the history of how strong he is in battle, not only for past biblical histories, but we see in secular histories as God has come to the defense to help his righteous nations when it was necessary and when he came to help them in their uh, progression through history. Now... I want to take a few moments and uh, look ahead at a, a few things because uh, we know that uh, there's a terrible time coming ahead for us. Now Barnabas mentioned about, uh, earlier about uh, the great joy, or maybe it was David, about having great joy and anticipation about these holy days and about being excited. Yeah. We do. We get excited at the positive of the good. But we don't like to think of the holocaust, of the horrible, terrible times that are coming. And the scriptures tell us, without going into it, Jeremiah and Daniel and Joel tell us that there is coming a time on this world that is unequaled in its horribleness and terribleness. It is a time called Jacob's trouble. It's a time that Jesus called the Great Tribulation. I'm not going to cover all of those verses today. But ahead of us is a horrible, terrible time that is going to come not only on the Israel people, but on the nations as a whole. Thank God we have Jesus Christ and God who is ruling and reigning and who is in control and who will not let it get out of control, but will bring about their plan and their purpose. Jeremiah is a wonderful and others to show us and tell us that in spite of those difficulties and those travails and troubles, that God will deliver Israel out of those troubles. And so that's good news. That's a positive news that we can look look ahead to to see beyond the difficult times. None of us like to think of, of the horrible, terrible times that are coming when this whole world is going to be in tribulation and difficulty. We see right now... In America, uh, they say 47 million people are on food stamps and poverty is increasing and unemployment is high and people are frustrated and aggravated and crime is increasing and horrible, terrible things that are, that are going to be taking place. And some of us are, have been immune to some of that. But when we're affected by it and when we are in desperate conditions with the rest of the world, that's going to be a difficult time. But Thank God if we keep our positive perspective and trusting in God and he will be with us and bless us and see us through that difficult time. Now, I'm not going to go into a a lot of this, but there's a lot of discussion uh, today on, uh, like the thing about Syria, the justice of going into Syria or not going into Syria or what should America do. Uh, Let me just say this, because it has to do with some of the things that I'm going to be saying later. The objective of war is to win. Isn't it? to win, to gain the victory, to defeat the enemy. Now, if we survey just the recent histories of the last century of wars in the United States, uh, and our, some of these affecting our Israel brethren in, in other nations that were uh, allies with us, especially European uh, Israel nations, World one. Uh, 1917 to 18, one year. World War II, 1941 to 46, five years. Could be a little more counting the the beginning year and the ending year, but basically five years. Korean War was 50 to 53, three years. Got this information out of the Almanac. The Vietnam Conflict, they call it a war, 64 to 73, nine years. The uh, Desert Storm, uh... One year, '90 to '91, and then the Iraqi freedom, the the several accompanying wars uh, since then, from uh, uh, 2001 up to present time, including Afghanistan, Pakistan, the completion of the Iraqi war, uh, things that are going on. About 12 years up to today, we still haven't completed the uh, the Iraqi uh, situation that was kind of associated with the uh, beginning of the Desert Storm wars. So. Let me uh, go now to uh, Isaiah, the 13th chapter. I just want us to uh, think about this, think about uh, the uh, things that we're going to be looking at here a little later concerning the wonderful positive things as well as the negative things that are going on concerning this, as we call it, holy day. Isaiah 13 Verse 1, this is a prophecy to the burden of Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos uh, did see. And uh, skip over to verse 4 and 5. The noise of a multitude in the mountains, like as of a great people, a tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered together. The Lord of hosts mustereth the host of the battle. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even the Lord and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. Verse 8, verse 6, How ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand? And they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel, both with wrath. So, obviously showing this is not Sunday. This is the time of the day of the Lord that we'll be looking at a little later here. The time of God's day of involvement directly in the affairs of this world that are just ahead of us. Cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. Notice his objective is to get rid of the sinners. To clear them out of this. And in that he is going to be victorious. Verse 11 and, uh, through 12 here. And I will punish the world for their evil. And the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease. And will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man than the golden wedge of Ophir. And so God is uh, going to involve himself in the affairs of this world. Now, some of these scriptures don't mention trumpets. There are a lot of verses that talk about the trumpets and the trumpet blast that that we're not going to use today. We're so familiar with them, as I said, over past many different messages. But I want us to show here that God is going to get involved in the affairs of this world in the future and he is going to be victorious. And his plan and purpose will be achieved. In Isaiah, the 42nd chapter, verse 13, Isaiah 42. There is so much in Isaiah and Jeremiah and the minor prophets and Amos and we just, uh, I don't know why I keep saying this, but we just can't go to all of them today so we have to come back next year and get some more in the year after. And after about 50 or 60 years, maybe you can get a little bit of of the message of the totality of the significance of these holy days. Here, Isaiah 42, 13. The Lord shall go forth as a mighty man. He shall stir up jealousy like a man of war. He shall cry, yea, roar. He shall prevail against his enemies. And it says... Others, uh, he will come with his shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And we'll look at some of those things there of the uh, significance and the importance of him shouting. And I've said, I think it was last year when Christ comes and he says he shouts. What is that? He, what, what is he saying? I'm coming, or give up, or surrender, or what is he yelling? Rise up, wake up, uh, those that are dead. you know. The, uh, what can be included in that uh, shout of victory that he shouts when he comes back? It's going to be interesting to hear that shout and to know what he says and respond to that shout. And if he says, come up here, we're going to go up there. He says, come over here, we'll go over there. Whatever, whatever he says, uh, we're going to respond to that. Back in Joel, a uh, minor prophet. Joel, the second chapter. Verse 1. Blow you the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord cometh, for it is near at hand. A day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness, as the mountains spread upon the mountains, as the morning spread upon the mountains. A great people and a strong, there has not been ever the like. Neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations." And verse 11, the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very strong, very great. For he is strong that executeth, excuse me, he is strong that executeth his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? A good question, who can abide that day? Those who are saints, those who are believers, those who are the righteous, those who are, who are Christians, those who are, who are His worshipers, His children, the Father, and who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Verse 12, uh, verse 15, rather, just skip some of this. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. I had a call from a person yesterday that was from out of state and was a little confused, was asking questions about fasting today. And I explained to her that the fast will be next Saturday on the 14th, not this week, but Day of Atonement. Uh, she was so relieved so I <laughs> that she didn't have to fast last night and today. So uh, she just had the days right, but she didn't have the significance, of, I mean, the, as far as being a holy day today, but she didn't have the, the right uh, meaning of atonement or trumpets. So we sent her some uh, literature and booklets and uh, helped, uh, uh, hopefully, um, when she receives those uh, and my conversation, gave her great peace. I could tell she was so relieved she didn't have to... She was looking forward to fasting, I guess, a couple of weeks from now, but maybe not. Not today, tomorrow. Okay, now, uh, I'm going to go to uh, a a few minutes here to the book of Revelation. I had another call... Uh, this week from another man from out of state and his friend was saying that uh, he didn't believe in the book of Revelation. He thought it was just a myth, a great myth. And I told him, I said, you know, he just keep waiting. He's going to be surprised because the book of Revelation is not a myth. It is the words of Jesus Christ that were given to us through the apostle John. So uh, Brian, if you'll put up that uh, chart there, and I didn't bring that clicker here. Uh, Richard, can you bring me the, the uh, what do you call it? Uh, laser, laser, pointer. laser pointer. Yeah, the laser pointer. Now, this first is just an overview because Jesus talked about the seven seals of Revelation. and He talked in the Gospels. He covered all these seven seals also. And uh, if you uh, notice, the first four seals here in the book of Revelation are identified as the beginning of sorrows. This is uh, really where we are right about now. We're beginning to experience some of these things that are going on. False religions, wars, uh, famine, pestilence, all kinds of different infestations and bugs and all kinds of things that are going on that are increasing in the global uh, world. And then the fifth seal is the Great Tribulation. And then the sixth seal is the heavenly signs. And then the seventh seal is comprised of seven trumpet blasts. And the seventh trumpet blast is comprised of seven last vials or seven great plagues or seven last plagues that are going to come on this earth. And then, uh, so that's an overview of the time sequence of the book of Revelation. It's a chronology. And let me just say this. Unless a person is a Sabbatarian, commandment keeping, Jesus Christ worshiping and the believer and knows the identity of the nations and understands the holy days, you cannot understand the book of Revelation. Now, in spite of a lot of Protestants and a lot of teachers, you have to be very careful because I've heard some far out interpretations and uh, explanations for the uh, book of Revelation. So we're, going to, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, just a few more things here because we have here, I don't know if you can see around me, um, a key here, uh, the fifth seal, the great tribulation. Are we in that great tribulation now? No, we're not in that. We're not subjugated by four dominant nations. Have the heavenly signs, great heavenly signs taken place yet? No, we've seen them increasing, but not that period of the great heavenly signs. Have the trumpets begin to blow? Now, here... For example, the fifth trumpet is five months in duration. And if the day of the Lord is one year and this is five months, I know some, in their explanation, they try to take uh, these different trumpets and put them over here someplace and look back in history or this happened several hundred years ago or or like uh, the scripture in Revelation, the eighth chapter, that talks about wormwood. In some Russian languages like uh, Lithuanian and things, the word for, uh, that's translated from the Greek uh, wormwood is the, the Greek wormwood that comes a bitter and, and uh, uh satellite or, or asteroid or whatever that comes to earth that the angel throws. It's called Chernobyl. Chernobyl. And that might be maybe in, the, in one of the Russian languages. Chernobyl is translated. I've read that in some of the... Uh, a man had a Bible one time and showed me. It was Chernobyl. And... Uh, they try to say, and I just was reading something a while back that was put in, in 1986, remember, in Ukraine when the nuclear power plant at Chernobyl uh, uh, melted down and they had a lot of deaths and a lot of uh, poison from the radioactivity that escaped into the atmosphere and they've had a lot of problems with Chernobyl. But they try to put Revelation 8, chapter 11, uh, verse 11 of the wormwood, they put that back over here uh, back in 1986. Prior to death. So you have to be careful about uh, where these uh, fit in. Now, let me just show this just a, a, a minute here, if I'm getting right here. There's uh, 1,260 days, three and a half years, 42 months is the same period of time. If the day of the Lord is one year, and if the fifth seal, the Great Tribulation, going through the heavenly signs is two and a half years, that's making three and a half years total if that is the case, because the two witnesses prophesy 1260 days, which is three and a half years. The church is in the wilderness for a time, times and a half, that's three and a half years. That's in uh, Revelation 12:14. Uh, Israel is in captivity, comes out in the second year, Hosea, between the, in the third year, pardon me. Uh, the outer court is given to the Gentiles to tread down three and a half years. That's the time of the two witnesses prophecy. Uh, the beast continues for 42 months. Uh, the uh, power of the holy people will be scattered for 42 months. The abomination of desolation that Daniel uh, spoke about and Jesus talked about, when we see that, we know that time is short. That's 42 months or three and a half years or 1,200 actually from the beginning to the end of that time is 1,290 days. And then... Over here on the end is all the transition of all the things that are going to take place when Christ returns. So, the seven last plagues, finish. That's the end. Christ comes, sets up his kingdom. Now, uh, Brian, go to the next chart just a little bit here. This is the uh, uh, chart of the uh, seven trumpets of the seventh seal comprised of seven trumpet blasts. And seven, the seventh trumpet is comprised of seven last vials. You'll read those beginning Revelation 16. And we're going to read some of those uh, here in just a few minutes. Now, because of the similarity in some of these, uh, uh, like the second vial and the second uh, trumpet, there's similarity in the third vial, the third trumpet. Uh, there's great similarity in these. They get a, a lot of people confused. When you think of, first, the trumpets are blown out in general. Are a lot of this is man's inhumanity to man. It's God intervening and bringing uh, judgment and wars and different things on the earth. But the last, the, the seven last plagues of the seventh trumpet is God's wrath. It's just his, his time thrown out against sinners, against unrepentant evil sinners, against the Roman Empire, against the beast power, against... Sinners who repent, and that's going to be a very short time that that is going to be uh, uh, expressed on this earth. Now, I'm not going to be able to uh, go through all of those and explain all those. I just want to uh, introduce that. Now, let's go to uh, Revelation, the sixth chapter. This is ahead of us. Revelation, the sixth chapter. And I'm sorry, I I don't think I'm doing justice fully to all of the uh, trumpet uh, blasts and the seven last plagues, but we'll touch here just briefly. Uh, In Revelation, the sixth chapter, verse 17, because Revelation, the sixth chapter, introduces the uh, first six seals, the first through the sixth seal. And then after the heavenly signs, which is the sixth seal, in verse 17 we read, For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? We have an important question. We ask that in Isaiah. He asked it. Who can can stand on the day of the Lord? Who can endure that judgment of God, of the determination of who is righteous and who is a sinner? Hopefully, saints who are sealed with the name of the Father... And with Jesus Christ and have his Holy Spirit, and that's uh, an earlier sealing that takes place in the book of Revelation, chapter, well, chapter 7 and chapter 14, we see that uh, exemplified. But let's skip up to chapter 8. Uh, at the end of uh, chapter 8, the uh, first, well, in verse 1, when he had opened, yeah, verse 1, chapter 8, when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. Certainly a time of great prayer, knowing and seeing the activities and things that are coming on the earth to know that... Uh, Hey, we need to be prepared. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angels' hand. And then those uh, seven trumpets began to sound. Now, I want to come to uh, here, uh, verse, the last last uh, verse of uh, chapter eight, verse thirteen. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. So, what we have here, if we put the chart back up, uh, the, the second chart would be okay, Brian. The... fifth trumpet is the first woe. It's yet to sound. The sixth trumpet is the second woe. The seventh trumpet is the third woe. So, five, six, and seven, the three woes that are to come on the earth. Now, in chapter 9, verse uh, 1, 5 through 6. one. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And in verse 5 and 6, And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he strikes a man. And in those days shall men seek death, and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. Now, he's describing a war and armies that are coming, but... You know, recently we've been seeing the uh, effects in war of uh, poison gas. Now, we saw some of that. Remember uh, in the Iraqi war where Saddam Hussein, they were accusing him that he had all these mass weapons of destruction? And remember the caravans of uh, poison and uh, uh, weapons of mass destruction that were sent to Syria during the uh, war with uh, Iraq back in uh, the... uh, 90s. Remember that? Well, now Syria has those weapons of mass destruction. But they've been given time for a year now. They've been threatened and intimidated. So, where they? has Russia been receiving those? Has Iran been receiving those back? Are they, have they been used? Who used those weapons? We've seen the aftermath of, of a thousand people that have died. Some of these children and adults. How many of you have been seeing that on the news? Horrible deaths. Horrible people under uh, these gas, uh, serine gas and different chemicals die horrible deaths. And so is this a description, this fifth angel of the five months of of people suffering? Now, here's another thing that these trumpet, uh, they don't always just start and end and then the next one. So sometimes there is a continuation, like the great tribulation. Two and a half years, but it continues on through in captivity till Christ returns and brings Israel out of captivity and releases the church and resurrects because the church is going to be under oppression and persecution and opposition. You think it's tough being a Christian right now, the things we read on the news of people that are suffering, all the things in the schools and the colleges and the universities and things they have to put up with the liberal uh, pressures of uh, people who are anti-Christian? Brethren... We need to be forewarned and forearmed. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be difficult. And the only way that we're going to be able to survive that, spiritually, is to be connected to Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father and have his Holy Spirit. We may not, some of us, survive it physically. Some of us may be tortured and put to death. This has happened to true believers and saints, Christians down through the, through the ages. Are we any better than Jesus who suffered for us? I mean, no, none of us like to think of losing our family and friends, and none of us like to think of going through that. I don't want to be tortured. I don't want to, but look what Jesus did for me. So what can I do for him? Be willing to, ex- to experience that physically, trusting that through his spirit I'll stay faithful and endure and overcome to the end. Now, in chapter 11 is... Um, Verse uh, 9 through 13, chapter 11. And they of the people, kindred and tongues. Uh, Well, this is the two witnesses, chapter 11. I won't go into that, but they prophesy 42 months. So here was the key, I guess, what I was going to show of this. Let me read these verses and then come back here. Uh, Verse 9 through 13. And they of the people and kindred and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies. That's the two witnesses when they're killed. Three days and a half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. Uh, Verse 2, let me read that first. These two witnesses, is given unto them... uh, uh, unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread under foot forty and two months, and I will give power over my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, clothed in sackcloth. That's the same time, three and a half years. And then, uh, at uh, the verse 14, the second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. There, kill. here's my point listen to this carefully, and you can study this out later. If they prophesy 42 months and if the plagues and the seven trumpet blasts cover a year and two and a half years of Israel captivity, if there's three and a half years of captivity, of the church, of Israel, and then Christ returns, if the two witnesses are killed at the end of the second woe, before the third woe, which seems to be several months, then that means the two witnesses are there early. If the abomination of desolation, as Daniel talked about and Jesus talked about, is set up in Jerusalem there for 42 months, three and a half years, 1260 days, then it falls, doesn't it, that the two witnesses are there a little early. So, when you see, and I've said this before, and I won't say any more time about this, but just to say, when you see two men of God in the church of God, Sabbath keeping, commandment keeping, Holy Day observing, Jesus Christ worshiping, men of God standing in Jerusalem and preaching and warning of the things and blowing the spiritual trumpet of truth, of the truth of God that we know that's in the Bible, that has this word you know that it's from that time, three and a half years, and Jesus Christ will stand on the earth. Not the exact day. You don't know the hour, but you know in general it's going to be. Because the blessing, of Daniel said, blessed is he that comes to the uh, 1,335 days. 75 days beyond the three and a half years. So if the two witnesses are there early and they go right through that, they're going to be keys to help us to understand the prophecy and calling out and explaining some of these plagues that are coming and warning the world of this nation is rising against this nation. There's a lot in here about the uh, communist hordes and their attack against uh, Europe and the destruction of Babylon uh, and, and all of the things that are going on that are explained in the book of Revelation, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. So we're not going to have time to fully explain all of those things. But I want to, while we're here in Revelation, go to, just skip up to... Chapter 19, we'll leave some of that. Uh, It's better to do that in a sit-down Bible study, and and I hope I haven't confused you, but just try to give an overview of these things because in uh, chapter 19, verse 11, chapter 19 is uh, telling about Jesus Christ coming as conquering king. Verse 11, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in Righteousness. He does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. We sang about that earlier. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed and we, he's going to give us that new name. He's, right now nobody knows what that name is. But he knows and he's going to tell us and he's going to give us a new name that describes us and he's going to tell us his new name. And take away all of this about sacred name. Uh, splitting and differentiating between the saints of God. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. That's one of his names, the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven followed him upon white horses. Clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Uh, skip up to 19 through the end of the chapter. Just skip some of this. And I saw the beast, and the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse, and against his army. And the beast was taken with him the false prophet, and with him miracles before him, and with him he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse. Which sword proceeded out of his mouth and all the fowls were filled with their flesh? Showing a time when Jesus Christ comes, he's going to be victorious over all of the enemies of God. Now, I do want to go back here to chapter uh, 16 a little bit here and just mention something briefly here to help us understand this. We hear a lot about the uh, Battle of Armageddon, about when that's going to be and what that's going to be. Well, the battle of Armageddon uh, occurs in the end, in the last plagues. Now, Armageddon, let's read this here in uh, chapter uh, 16. Behold, I come as a thief. Well, let me read verse uh, pre. Previous to that, verse 14 in Revelation 16. And they are the spirits of demons, working miracles. These three frogs that came out of the mouth of uh, these individuals. Working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watches and waiteth, keeping his garments. Lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It's done! It's finished! It's done! At that battle of Armageddon, the last battle, it's going to be a short time when those nations gather against Jerusalem. After the seven trumpets, after the six last vials, that the last vial is poured out, it's going to take a few days, a few weeks, a couple of months for those hordes to come across the river Euphrates and to gather and surround Jerusalem. Jesus said, you know, when you see armies gathering around Jerusalem, no, it's just a short time. Just a brief time. So that Battle of Armageddon hasn't happened yet. We've had World War I, World War II. We've had Korea, Vietnam. We've had Desert Storm. We've had Afghanistan. We're about to have Syria. We're about to have... And they're talking about war. War is horrible and terrible. And the whole world right now, you know, there's a lot of wars going on right now. We're in the beginning of sorrows. But we haven't seen nothing yet until we see... Now, I'm going to change take a, a different approach and tack from a different uh, perspective here, and I'm going to talk about us as Christian soldiers in our warfare. Let's go in the New Testament here to Timothy, Second Timothy 2, 3 through 4, 2 Timothy 2. You therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. We've seen that where people have, in the military, have tried to get entangled in, in the world and crime and, and all of this. And uh, Now, some of you, uh, I come from a military family. Uh, a lot of my family were in the military. I personally got a conscience objector didn't go to the military. I, I personally... Uh, did not and chose and had to go through, Steve and I, some, some things with uh, government officials to satisfy and justify. I think he was in prison for a little while or had to go, didn't you, Steve, for a while or to, for his conscientious objector standing. And, um, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything different than spiritual warf- warfare because we're in a spiritual warfare and we're to be soldiers of Jesus Christ. And you can't go AWOL. And if you're going to sleep on guard duty, uh, Ron's a big military man. He's big, and he's a military man. Uh, you ever have guard duty? And I Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Because <laughs> if you'd have got caught, that could have been difficult. And the military, and to be a soldier, that's a serious thing. We understand that, don't we? Those even those of us who have not been in the military, we know that there are certain parameters and expectations and requirements and and uh, rules and regulations that a person has to follow to be a good soldier. Uh, and if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully? And then uh, let's go to Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians, chapter ten. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. That's difficult. That's tough to be a, that kind of a soldier to bring into captivity. Every thought, uh, we fall short of that sometimes. Some of us do. I can't speak for you, but for self. First Timothy back to First Timothy, chapter one, verse eighteen and nineteen. I've just got a couple of scriptures here. First 1 Timothy 1, 18, 19. This charge. I commit unto you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on you, that you by them might war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. In chapter 12, verse 17 in Revelation. So some have gone over to the enemy, have gone over to Satan, have abandoned their post, have gone AWOL. Revelation 12, verse 17. And the dragon was wroth, and the woman, the church, with, with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The testimony is a witness. The martyrdom, the testimony, the expression, the explanation—willing, willing to give our life for that. I hope you excuse me. Sometimes in reading, I've got so many notes covered over my Bible. Sometimes some of the original words aren't there, so have to try to read carefully to uh, see what is there. Okay, now, why why is it important uh, for us to understand our Christian uh, soldier? Hood, if I can put it that way, and uh, our Christian warfare. Well, it's important to understand that we are Christian soldiers because of our responsibility to others and to ourselves to know and understand and to be prepared for the things that are coming on this earth. Let's turn back to Isaiah, the 58th chapter. Isaiah 58. Verse 1, cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, and the house of Jacob their sins. So that's our responsibility as members of God's body, as members of the church of God, where we can, to lift up our voice. I know. a few years ago, uh, the Wilhoites gave us some bumper stickers, Feast of Tabernacles, for our car like we used to get all the time, and then Ron had some here last week, a little different one, green one. And I uh, put that bumper sticker on my wife's car, so when we were driving and traveling, you know, uh, they could see that F.O.T., Feast of Tabernacles. And I was pumping gas one time, and the guy asked me, what's that F.O.T., what's that mean? Oh, oh, oh he shouldn't have asked me. <laughs> He shouldn't have asked me because I had fun telling him what that Feast of Tabernacles was all about. Are we that way? Don't we enjoy telling people when they ask us? And even when they don't ask us, sometimes we give them more information than they need or really want, you know, and they turn away and go, you know. But uh, sometimes they get so excited, but uh, I've seen that over the years. People, you tell them the truth of God and they really get excited about it. But after a few days it gets cold and they don't want because they have a responsibility to act on it if they know the truth of God. This is what keeps a lot of people from acting and following up. You know, we've got actually, I've been in contact with, uh, and Richard, we can show you, hundreds and hundreds of people in the Tulsa area here. And what do we have today in attendance? 86 people here today. Now I know some can't make it, some have uh, other places they've gone to. Uh, We have about 125 members in our congregation here. But do you know, there are hundreds of people right in this area that I've talked to, that have been to church, that have visited with, that know about us, that know about the Sabbath, that know about the identity, that know, but they just will not, many of those, they just will not act on it. And maybe one day, you know, they'll be triggered to accept and understand. Now, let's go to Ezekiel the 33rd chapter. I have a few more verses and then we'll finish up here. But Ezekiel 33 is... uh, I'm going to read uh, here uh, much of this. Um, Just read and listen as we go. The first 20 verses. Ezekiel 33. Again the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coasts and set him for their watchman, when he sees the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever hears the sound of the trumpet and takes not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, he took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that takes warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come, and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So you, son of man, I have set you a watchman under the house of Israel. Therefore you shall hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die. If you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from the way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Therefore, O you son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. Thus you speak, saying, If our transgression, transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away in them, how should we then live? Say unto them, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? Therefore, you, son of man, say unto the children of your people, The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression, As for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall thereby in the day that he turns from his wickedness. Neither shall the righteous be able to live for his righteousness in the day that he sins. See that? We're responsible. If we're good, we've got to keep being good. If we're evil, we've got to stop being evil and be good. If we're good, we can't become evil. We've got to stay good. The, the, The object is to turn and to be good before God and to be protected and blessed. When I shall say to the righteous that he shall surely live. If he trusts to his own righteousness and commit iniquity, all his righteousness shall not be remembered. If a guy says, hey, I'm pretty good. I can go over here and sin and I can be delivered. It's all right to to do this uh, and be delivered. No, can't do it. But for his iniquity that he has committed, he shall die for it. Again, when I say unto the wicked, you shall surely die. If he turn from his sin and do that which is lawful and right, if the wicked restore the pledge, give again that he has robbed, walk in the statutes of life without committing iniquity, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of his sins that he has committed shall be mentioned unto him. He has done that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live. Yet the children of your people say, The way of the Lord is not equal. Oh, God's not fair. Uh, no. But as for them, their way is not equal. When the righteous turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, he shall even die thereby. But if the wicked turn from his wickedness and do that which is lawful and right, he shall live thereby. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not equal. O you house of Israel, I will judge you every one after his ways. And it will come to pass. Well, continuing on that. But God is just and fair and he expects righteousness. So we've got to stay. We've got to continue. We've got to listen to God's word and stay faithful in it. We can't turn. If we're evil, if anyone is evil or wicked, they've got to put that behind them and turn from that and repent of it. Isaiah, the 18th chapter, verse uh, 3. I've got a few more verses. I will have to hurry through here. Isaiah 18:3. All you inhabitants of the world and dwellers on the earth see you when he lifts up an ensign in the mountains and when he blows a trumpet, hear you. Verse 4. For so the Lord said unto me, I will take my rest and I will consider in my dwelling place like a clear heat upon herbs and like a cloud of dew in the heat of harvest, a time coming. This word rest is the Hebrew word "shakat," It means to settle, to rest, to be still. When Jesus Christ comes, sets up his millennium, there's going to be a time of peace, a time of rest. For 1,000 years, men aren't going to learn war anymore. There's no more uh, war colleges, no more fighting. All the weapons are going to be melted down. They're going to be burned up. Nobody is going to be permitted for 1,000 years to have war. He is coming to bring the war that ends all war. Thank God Jesus Christ is coming. Verse uh, Isaiah, the 27th chapter... Verse thirteen Isaiah twenty seven thirteen And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown, and they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria, and the outcast in the land of Egypt, and they shall worship the Lord in the holy mount at Jerusalem. A lot can be explained about that, the temple set up, worship of God, Jesus Christ, Jerusalem, the capital of the world, the religious worship center. In that day, verse 1, that uh, the Lord with his uh, great and strong sword shall punish, uh, in verse 2, in that day to sing unto her. Verse 12, it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall beat off from the channel of the river into the stream of Egypt, and you shall be gathered one by one, O you children of Israel. A time when Israel, I can't go through so many verses, when they are brought out of captivity and restored to Israel. Let's close with this scripture, First Corinthians 15th chapter. We were there earlier today, but it won't hurt us to go back in closing. First Corinthians 15. Uh, even though Steve likes this, I'm still going to use uh, uh, this uh, chapter some because it's such wonderful wonderful things in here. Can't do it all. But uh, let me just uh, read a couple of verses here. Verse 52. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the seventh trumpet, the seven last vials, when that seventh trumpet blows, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. And then skip up to verse uh, 57. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in closing, a God-directed, righteous, Victorious war will and can bring peace. The war to end all wars. We will all finally see that happen. It will take his righteousness, strength, and final victory to show mankind his way is best. God's way is best. This is part of the meaning of this holy day, the Feast of Trumpets, and why we're here today. To look forward. To that final, in time, concluding, last trump. Because this is all over in this time frame. And there's a new sequence of events beginning with a thousand years. And then a hundred years. And then all eternity. That we're going to dwell and be with God as he dwells with mankind. Brethren, there are a lot of things ahead of us. And where we can lift up the trumpet and how we can and however God has given us the opportunity. I know it was the priests that were to blow the trumpets. But we're all kingdom of priests before God. And we have an opportunity to warn our fellow man collectively. And we're doing that. I thank God. Let me just say for this congregation, some of you don't realize this. But we're involved in a larger ministry that's reaching into over 100 different countries around this world we have a website where today they can watch and, and monitor this broadcast today in China. And wherever the Internet is, they can pick this up. I have people from, uh, that talk to me from Canada and from other areas that can watch this and see this program. They've received literature from us, explanation of the, some of the doctrines and things that we're teaching in over 100 different countries. And we don't know how much and how, much and how many are downloading information from We get letters from all over different countries in India and Asia and Africa and and, uh, South America and all over, all kinds of information from people that have come across us and have seen the work that this congregation is supporting and is connected with and is sponsoring and is reaching out through Church of God Outreach Ministries. So collectively, we're doing a lot, but we can do more. Personally, we can do more. Sound the alarm. Blow the trumpet. Warn this nation. Warn the world of what's coming. Not only the Holocaust, but the good news. The glorious, wonderful return of Jesus Christ to bring peace and happiness and blessing and prosperity to this world. I I get so excited and so happy like you do about the positive and the good news and why we're here and what God is doing through us that he's called us, he's looked down you know he could call a lot of other people, and he has, but they haven't responded. And we're fortunate, we're blessed that God has. Hey, that person, just open his mind, just put some stuff in there, and we've acted on it. And we're here, and we're there, and we're everywhere. We're we're not just alone. You understand what I'm saying? We're we're not the only ones in Tulsa. We're not the only ones in the uh, United States or in the world. We're a part of a collective of unknown numbers of saints of God around this world. We're a part of that. But individually, we can rejoice and be excited that we know God and that He knows us. And we can look forward to having the reality of what we are practicing and rehearsing. And that's a whole different message of why we're here, why we're acting out and rehearsing, and in a holy commanded assembly. God has commanded us to be here today to learn these little things, to learn a few of the lessons that we've just touched on, David and I, and... and uh, Barnabas and the songs that we've sung in praise of God. So in closing, uh let's take our appetites, let's stay around for the feast meal. Uh if you didn't bring anything, that's okay. We've got plenty now.